0: Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. And here's Pastor Ben to introduce today's message. Greeting, friends. We've just begun a new study here on Restored for Life called The Lion Revealed, and I want to welcome you back. Last week, we began Jesus's evaluation of seven churches in various stages of effectiveness and faithfulness. He had some pretty difficult to hear judgments and corrections for the church of Ephesus, but there are some great truths in his correction for us today. When believers sin and fall short of God's will for their lives, there are three things the Lord told his church and tells us today as well. First, to remember, second, to repent, and third, to repeat. First, remember what the Word of God tells us. Second, repent or turn from sin and repeat or begin doing the things He's told us to do over and over as we walk in obedience to His Word. Now let's continue on in our study of The Church Revealed, Part 2. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We are in chapter 2. We will continue on in our verse by verse study of this book. We are in chapter 2, verse 18 this morning as we continue the study of the seven churches. In his opening statement to the scribe, the Apostle John, Jesus begins with his assessment of the conditions of the seven various churches in Asia Minor. Now, these churches are, were in uh, modern, what would be modern day Turkey. He gives the disciple a specific message to the seven angels or messengers over the churches. The word messenger commonly refers to angelic beings of light. But it is likely that the reference here is to the pastors over these churches who are called to illuminate believers with the light of God's Word, Jesus Christ, who is, the, who is referenced as the light of the world. It is quite possible that these seven pastors had been in touch with John or maybe even gone to Pergamos to visit him. And this is John's assessment of what's going on at their churches. I would not want to be most of these pastors. The first century churches were going through extreme persecution by Rome, not only by Rome, but by their brethren, the Jews, and needed to be both commended and corrected for them to remain strong in their faith, in their hope. Last week, we looked at Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, the casual and careless church. We looked at Smyrna, the crowned and commended church, the church that I seek to follow after with Restored Community Church. And we looked at Pergamos, the contradicting and coexisting church. They just wanted to get along with everyone. this week we continue with church number four, Thyatira, the crooked church. As he does throughout his seven messages here, Jesus begins with the commendation of Christ, and we look at that beginning in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Right away, this is the picture of a judge, a righteous judge judge who is standing to rule. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. The Lord's address to the church in Thyatira is the longest of the seven addresses. It is short on commendation but long on condemnation and correction. Thyatira was a small city, but it was big in trade guilds. In the book of Acts, we learn of a lady by the name of Lydia who followed God faithfully and eventually was introduced to Jesus by the apostle Paul. We're told she was a seller of purple purple cloth that that was made in Thyatira, and that's where she probably lived. And it's believed that she was very successful as as a businesswoman. History bears out the truth that where there is big commerce, where there is big business, there will be large guilds or unions. And where there are trade unions and guilds, There will likely be greed, idolatry, and immorality practice, which are the top three enemies of the church. Thyatira was known for its large temple for the worship of Apollo, the sun god. Interesting to note here that Jesus Christ refers to himself as the son of God in this verse and in no other place in Revelation Like that of Ephesus, Thyatira was commended for being known for their love and for their service to the community. However, those eventually overtook their love for the Lord and they became uh, focused on their service outward and not so much on their love for God. Moving on, we hear the condemnations of Christ in verse 20. The condemnations of Christ. It's interesting to note that the church of Ephesus that we talked about last week was waning in their love for Christ, and yet they still had enough spiritual discernment to recognize the false prophets and remove them from their church. But Thyatira was growing in their love, Jesus says, but they accommodated a false prophet in their own ranks and refused to get rid of her. The two extremes are not good. The Bible teaches that there must be practice of blending of truth in love. If a church is to remain healthy, too many churches today are light on truth and overcompensate by, tolerant, by tolerance as they believe it is a form of love. But love without truth isn't love at all. And truth without love is an ugly form of the law. The two extremes are dangerous. Truth must be spoken in love and with love, and love must be made up of truth in order to maintain the balance in churches today. Too many go one direction or the other. That's why at our church we teach the whole counsel of Scripture, but both in truth and in love. We don't drive around the truth. Oftentimes, pastors get to a difficult passage and they go, yeah, we're just going to skip over that. They don't say it. You might come to church and go, wait a minute, didn't we end here? We're supposed to be talking about this, this this week. But the pastor oftentimes will jump over it because it's uncomfortable. He jumps over it because it's unpopular. Too many pastors are worried about filling chairs instead of listening to the Holy Spirit. We're seeing that across America and the globe, really. Listen, we don't drive around the truth and we don't beat people over the head with it either. We teach the, the truth in love. Tolerance oftentimes is another word for cowardice and it can lead to lukewarm theology and a lukewarm church such as Thyatira. The teaching by this woman who was uh, called Jezebel, that's probably not her actual name. Jesus is refers, referring to Jezebel, the prophetess, from a thousand years before this was written. But the teaching by this woman is akin to the Nicolaitan doctrine, which we discussed last week. So I won't go into it in depth. But it's teaching—it's uh, teaching that pleases that attempts to please both God and man. And of course, that's lukewarm religion right there, that ends in destruction for those who practice it. Next, we see the correction of Christ it begins in verse 22. Indeed, I will cast her, Jezebel, into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children, or followers, with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts." and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Jesus warns them that he is about to judge this false teacher by sending a severe disease upon her and by sending her followers into serious tribulations, even death. And he'd warn them both, and they refused to repent and turn back to his truth. Aren't you glad, by the way, that God is a patient God? I, I, you know, I'd be the first in this room to tell you that I am so grateful that God was patient with me. When I was shaking my fist at him, he was patient with me. When I was walking the other way, he was still calling to me. I'm so grateful for God's patience. And once again, we see his patience front and center here today. The Thyatira Church was being co-taught by a false teacher now, if you lived and worked in that first century city of Thyatira, you couldn't just move around the corner to the, uh, the second church of Thyatira, maybe had a better teaching. No, this was the church that you could go to in that city if you wanted to follow Christ. So Jesus encouraged those who were fighting for the truth in their church Listen to what he says to those that are still trying to follow what Paul had brought them. All those letters, they had all the letters. It's, this is like mid-90s that we're talking about. So it's like 95 AD. Paul's written all his letters that he's going to write. Peter's written all his letters that he's going to write. They have letters. They have they have something. They have scriptures to go by. And yet Thyatira is starting to push him off to the side. But there are people there that are fighting to hold on to what they had been taught Verse 24, Jesus continues, and he speaks to them. Now to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, the Nicolaitan doctrine, this false doctrine, to as many that do not have this doctrine, you have not known the depths of Satan. As they say, I will put, you on, I will put on you no other burden. Jesus isn't going to, to judge them, of course. They're still following in truth. Verse 25, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give him power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, Speaking of, Jesus is going to rule in the millennium with a rod of iron, and we're going to co-rule with him. They shall be dashed to pieces, those that are disobedient sinners, like the potter's vessels, as I have also received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Jesus encourages his true followers to stay the course because one day we will rule over the nations with Christ in the millennium, in the kingdom to come. We're promised the morning star, which is a reference of Jesus himself. The faithful in Christ will reflect the glory of the morning star, Jesus Christ. The reflection of our Messiah as we rule in the millennium alongside of him who brandishes the iron rod against the evil ones who are as clay pots broken in pieces when they come against the Holy One of heaven. So don't give up. Jesus is about to come back for his saints. Now is not a good time to wander away. Now is not a, t- a good time to lay your Bibles on the shelves and not read them. Now is not a good time to wander off in the middle of this battlefield that we're entering. If you thought things were going to get it easier, then you need to read Revelation. You're in a good study right now. I'm telling you, they're going to get more difficult as the days go on. Are we not seeing that right now in the news? Things are, you know, this world doesn't end on a good note. It, comes, it ends with judgment. So you and I ought to know what's coming. You and I ought to be prepared. Now is a good time to read your Bible. Now is a good time to be part of a prayer group. Now is a great time to be part of a church, to link arms together, for we are stronger when we are together. We've looked at our at church number four, Thyatira, the crooked church. Now let's move on to church number five, which is Sardis, the ceremonial church. Sardis is the ceremonial church. Do you remember how the church at Smyrna had no uh, condemnation from Christ? It only had condemn or, or commendations from Christ, his commendations and his encouragement. Again, I say this is the church I. I strive to, to create right here at RCC. And I know that you're with me on that. You wouldn't be here if you didn't feel that way. Church number five, Sardis, the ceremonial church. Sardis is the opposite of Smyrna. Sardis only receives Christ's condemnation and correction. He has very little good to say about them. Sardis had become a museum piece that may have begun with great intentions, but now it's truly only a relic that practices a ceremonial form of dead religion, which is defined as mankind's attempt at reaching God through acts of appeasement rather than receiving and growing in God's free gift of grace, Jesus Christ, to mankind. They were going out and trying to appease God by performing all these rituals. I can think of several churches in this valley that do the same thing today. They're trying to reach God themselves through acts of service and ceremonial practices, but that's not how you reach God. God has already reached us with his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to how Jesus describes this dead ceremony-driven and lifeless church as he gets right to the point with them. He mixes no words. The condemnation of Christ. Chapter 3 now, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now the seven spirits, uh, the number seven as we've talked about is a sign of completeness. So they have the, the Holy Spirit in all his fullness, and yet they're not successful because they're not following him. These things say to these to the seven spirits of God and the seven stars these pastors I know your works that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead Ouch be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. They were doing all these things wrong, but there was a few things they were doing right, apparently. And Jesus points to them and says, you better hang on to those, and you better get things right here shortly. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. The city of Sardis was known for its manufacture of woolen clothing. The church there had a great reputation in the past, but was now ebbing away from their faith and foundations upon which it was built. They looked flashy from the outside, but on the inside, Jesus said they were dying. The outside really doesn't impress the Lord because he sees through all of it. He sees through to the heart. We should be mindful of that. And sadly, that's not unusual for churches to head in the wrong direction here. Many start out strong. They gain great notoriety for their great um, preaching and and their service to the community. But with fame, there are great temptations that accompany it. And oftentimes, along with the great pride, comes a great fall. Too many times we read about this in in the papers or online, where some pastor or some church is headed now in a Strange direction, a dangerous direction. And after a great fall comes a great exodus by the church members. Then the church, in practice, becomes a museum piece that tries to live off past accomplishments. It's only a matter of time before it dies and becomes something else. Well that's Christ's commendation or condemnation for this church. Now let's look at the correction of Christ here. Not unlike the warning he gave to the church of Ephesus, Jesus warns Sardis too that they're in danger of having their lampstand removed, of having their light blown out. Verse 3, remember therefore how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Well, how did they receive and hear? Well, the apostle Paul had been there and others. They got to read Peter's letters. They had missionaries stop by and train them and teach them. But as you recall, throughout the gospel or throughout the letters, Paul says, I'm here back with you again, and yet I've got to teach you the first things again. Well, that's what happens when you don't grow in your faith. That's what happens when you make a profession of faith, but that's not followed through. You don't receive it for yourself and grow in it for yourself. too many churches are doing that this day. They're about to have their lampstand removed. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Remember what you were giving. And then repent, that means stop going away from what I'm teaching you and return to me and to the things that I've taught you. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and he will not know the hour I will come upon you. Jesus is about to remove their lamps he's about to bring judgment on this church. He's given them one last chance to remember, to repent, and then to repeat the things they began with. It's important that we remember that there is hope for any church like that of Sardis. As long as the pastor and the body of believers are willing to humble themselves, to pray, to remember God's love, grace, and mercy, to repent from their sin as they're rediscovering their purpose on earth, God will honor that at church, though. Jesus is life, and he will bring life to any church that calls upon his name. Do you remember early on, in fact, the first week of our study, that I spoke of the importance of making this Bible study and revelation personal to each of us individual? That we should not only learn about these churches, but that we should learn from these churches. And what Jesus was saying to them, we ought to personalize and take it into our own lives for our own personal evaluation and growth. Here's where we want to pause and reevaluate where we stand in our own lives. Are we still following Christ? Do we still have that love for him, the genuine love? Are we still looking to serve him? Are we still looking to carry out the mission for which he's given each and every one of us? We all have a mission that somehow comes together through the church and goes out into the community and reaches people for Christ. That's the overarching mission. Listen, the church of Sardis was beautiful on the outside. They appeared to be serving God. They were saying and doing the right things. They probably sounded so righteous and spiritual in their conversations, but on the inside, they were moving further and further away from God. If you ask the average churchgoer there in Sardis... How they were doing and how their church was, they'd probably tell you of past victories and successes. They might say, "Oh man, you should have been here 10 years ago. We were really something then, boy, we had this pastor that was teaching the word, and you know, we did all this and such, and, and they would have all this you know, the, this, it was something. Let me tell you about it. You should have been here. They might try and convince you that they were hard at work for God or even tell you that they were good with God. No, I'm good with God. But the question isn't, are you good with God? The, the better question is this, is God good with you? Are we? It doesn't matter what my opinion is of what God wants. That matters very little. What matters is what God wants me wants from me and wants me to carry out. That's what really matters. Listen, if you can't point out how God is at work in your life and through your life today, you might be in neutral and don't know it. You see, we don't serve a God who stagnates, He is neither motionless or idle. No, our God is a God on the move. He is always at work inside of the hearts and minds of those who will follow Him in obedience. So if you find yourself stagnant, if you find yourself in neutral, you've lost contact with Him. It's time to put it back in gear and follow Him. My question for each one of us today is this, is your future brighter than your past? Can you see God at work in your life today? Not 10 years ago, not five years, not even last year. Do you see Him alive and working in your life today is the question. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit restoredcommunitychurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.